Welcome to the Tips for Lawyers podcast. This is episode number 49. This is Chris Hargraves from tipsforlawyers.com and it is great to have you here. I want to particularly extend a thank you to those of you who have been leaving rankings and reviews on iTunes. If you get something out of this show, then I'd really appreciate you heading to iTunes and leaving a review. You can get there easily at tipsforlawyers.com slash iTunes and that will take you straight to where you can leave a five-star review and something pleasant in the comments, which I do, in fact, read. This is episode 49, so you can get any show notes and links that I mentioned in this podcast at tipsforlawyers.com slash podcast slash 49. And today we are talking about high stress, high stakes, dealing with pressure. And it's something that a lot of lawyers come up with sooner or later, because what we do day to day is, in fact, incredibly important to the people that we deal with. And Although it may to us seem sometimes humdrum to our clients and to those around us, it can get very, very stressful, very, very emotional and very important. And at the same time, those pressures can build up in your practice from various different directions. So we're going to have a talk about where those pressures can come from, how they accumulate by way of different directions, and also have a look at some strategies for dealing with that pressure. Now, I'm using pressure in particular as opposed to stress. I use stress as a word in a particular way, and I'm trying to avoid too much in connection with that. I will probably use it inadvertently throughout this podcast, but in case you're wondering, stress I have written about and I've spoken about and I have recorded about before, and that is not specifically what I'm after today. Today, what I'm after is when things are starting to snowball, they're starting to accumulate, and you're not sure how you're going to get it all done, and you're starting to freak out a bit. Now, that's a bit different to stress. This is the pressure. This is the mounting weight of tasks and priorities and different calls from different directions on your professional and personal life that are gradually accumulating so that at no point do you feel like you can come up for air. And that is not an uncommon feeling amongst lawyers, in particular when things start to get a bit busy in the lead up to important dates and the lead up to critical timelines and similar events. So, where does this pressure come from? And really, I think it comes from four primary areas. The first and most obvious one being from our clients. Our clients can be a huge source of pressure, whether on purpose or inadvertently. It doesn't really matter because it's very difficult to call a client out if they're being a jerk and providing pressure unnecessarily. But these are the clients who might create deadlines that perhaps are irrational. They say they need something urgently, even though it's not urgent. And of course, to them, it might feel urgent, but to you, you have other things to do. And so it can be difficult to avoid telling them, and actually, you know, that's not that important because every client to themselves believes that their matter is the most important. And that's both understandable and something you need to be able to manage is that the client feels that their matter is getting the attention it deserves. Intellectually, they will have an appreciation, of course, for the fact that you have other things to do, but emotionally, they will not necessarily have that appreciation. And I've spoken about that in the realms of persuasion before, which is more to do with convincing people of things, but you have to appreciate the emotional side of this for the, from the client's perspective. And that is why they sometimes add a certain amount of pressure. Now, of course, they don't necessarily add pressure on purpose. And 
quite so obviously as creating those sorts of deadlines. Sometimes they add pressure inadvertently. And they can do that in a number of ways. They can add pressure by not providing you all of the facts that you need. They can add pressure by not answering questions that you put to them directly and you having to follow up or you having to reiterate or you having to call them. And sometimes it can feel like they're being lazy or obfuscating or deliberately ignorant in relation to what you need in order to properly discharge your job. And that's when you find yourself thinking, hang on, does this client actually want me to help them or are they just thinking that I can magic up something without their assistance? So clients do add a lot of pressure in various different ways. And of course, the other way they can do it is they can be a particularly sympathetic client. Maybe it's a client who simply doesn't have the money to approach a particular piece of litigation in the way you'd like to. Maybe it's a client whose contract is falling apart through no fault of their own and there's no ready-made way that the law can assist them to get the outcome that would be just. So there are various ways that clients add to the pressure, but I think they are probably close to the top of the list. And the next one on the list is not too far behind, which is colleagues. And by that, I can include many different categories. Often pressure will come from above and it will come from your partner or your supervisor or the firm management, depending on what sort of system you have. If you're in-house counsel, perhaps it will come from your corporate team. If you're in a government position, perhaps it will come from other areas in government. But by and large, your colleagues can also be a source of this pressure. And again, that can be deliberate or at least overt, or it can be inadvertent. Sometimes colleagues don't do a job as well as you were hoping they were going to do. Perhaps they dump something on your desk at the last minute because they haven't been able to get to it and all of a sudden you have to cancel your own priorities and attend to theirs because they weren't able to do their job in a timely fashion, or at least that's your perspective on it. Perhaps they haven't given you clear instructions on something, left a file in as good an order as you were hoping. Perhaps they haven't necessarily done what they said they were going to do. And perhaps they have promised something to someone and then are asking you to deliver on it, even though the promise was irrational, either in terms of cost or in terms of time that they allowed for it. And so colleagues, of course, can add a certain amount of pressure. Now, of course, there is an unspoken pressure in legal practice all the time, and I don't think it necessarily comes from your colleagues specifically, but there is an overwhelming pressure to get things right. And that is constantly present in our lives. We are often second guessing ourselves. We are often concerned that perhaps we haven't done things quite the right way. And that pressure can start to build up over time as well, in particular, as we start to build up these competing priorities and these competing stresses that build up in our lives and they can be very hard to manage and we're going to deal with that soon but colleagues can be a contributor to that if you're working for multiple partners on multiple files with multiple supervisors it can all start to get very complicated and the pressure can start to cause you to react in ways that aren't necessarily as productive as they ought to be the third part of where pressure comes from is of course from yourself our self-talk the way we view ourselves, the way we operate ourselves, the way we organize our practice, these can all affect the amount of pressure we feel on any given day. Our reactions to things can change the amount of pressure that we feel. Our ability to deal with or compartmentalize sometimes if needed uh, can also affect the way we feel the pressure. So ourselves certainly add to the overall equation and connected with that is what I'm going to call outside factors. And these are, 
I'm calling them outside. They're not they're not necessarily outside of your life, but they're outside of the profession specifically. Uh, these are things like your family. Maybe there are ongoing family issues in the background that you're struggling to avoid during your day to day. And so they're sort of there ticking away in your subconscious while you're trying to get away in practice. Uh, maybe you're having relationship issues. Maybe you're having financial issues. Maybe you're having emotional issues. And these can start to build up as well. And they need not be at the wildly uh, diagnosable end of the spectrum. They can just be a series of small little things. Um, this morning, one of my kids was not well. And that is not a particular serious thing. Uh, given the nature of it, but it affected my morning and it changed my perspective a little bit throughout the day. And it has, of course, been on my mind through the day. And that, whilst not life-changing sort of events, all of that does accumulate. And if too many things start to accumulate simultaneously, then you do end up with a fair weight, a fair amount of pressure on your shoulders, and it can be hard to shift or at least hard to deal with. So, I think there are a few different strategies, and certainly I could speak for a long time on this, but I wanted to really boil it down to three main recommendations that might assist you if you're starting to feel some of what I've been describing, that weight, that pressure on your shoulders. And the first is an acceptance of the reality of it. What we try to do a lot of the time is ignore it and hope it goes away. And that's not really the best way of doing it for a few reasons. Uh, the one is then accepting it can allow you to specifically and deliberately control your reactions to it. If you can feel the pressure building and the overwhelming snowball effect starting to occur, then you can start to deal with it rationally. You can start to see your approach to things, your thought processes, your reactions in a particular way, and that is a more deliberate way. So rather than letting the snowball continue to roll and you just being oblivious to it, you can start to put the brakes on, you can start to manage it, but only if you see it coming, only if you realize it is, in fact, happening. Pretending that you're not stressed, pretending that you're not under that pressure, pretending that you can keep it all in order will also then prevent you from asking for help. It will prevent you from trying to deal with things. It will prevent you from getting home, for example, if there are family issues. If you've had a really stressful day and you get home and you're snapping at people for no particular reason other than they happen to be in the same room as you, that's you reacting to the pressure. But if you identify it, you can start to bring some control back into your life. And I think that's a useful strategy to use. I'm not saying you need to ignore the issues, but I'm saying perhaps you can explain to people that you've had a stressful day and you just want a bit of quiet time, for example. Now, the next one is connected to the first, and it is this. Only try to control the things that you can actually control. And I have touched on this before, but I think it's an important element in dealing with stress and pressure in particular. And when your colleagues do stupid things, and when outside factors occur that you have no influence over whatsoever, there is, other than the pleasant cathartic effect of whinging to someone about it for a couple of minutes, there is very little to be gained by doing that. And it can start to be destructive. If you keep trying to control events that either have already passed, and people do this all the time, you know, they, they dig into why did this happen? Why did that happen? And, and they spend a lot of time and energy and emotional energy going into that sort of investigation, whereas the reality is you don't 
achieve anything by doing that unless some sort of post-mortem is required at some point. You're not going to solve any issues by delving into what's gone wrong in the past or what's happening that you cannot influence now. The only question is what can you influence now and how can you do it? Now, you might be able to affect the future by having a quiet word with a colleague to say, hey, you really threw me a curveball there and you could have avoided it, I think, by doing this, that and the other thing. That's part of the teaching process if it's a junior staff member and it's part of the management process if it's a senior staff member for you to give them that honest feedback. Now, if the person's unapproachable and you might not want to do that, but it is something that is useful to say, look, we nearly came unstuck because of this and I would really be able to deal with it a lot better in the future if perhaps we could approach it in this particular way. It might work better with some people than with others, but it is worth a shot. So control what you can. Do not try to spend time and energy and emotions dealing with things that you cannot control. That doesn't mean you need to become insular and it doesn't mean you need to stop caring about what's going on around you. It's a matter of your perspective. In terms of problem solving and dealing with our clients, we can only control what we actually can and there's no point railing against the facts. The third and final one for today that I wanted to give you in terms of dealing with this pressure is this, act, don't react. And it is connected with the first two in the sense that when you have these competing pressures in particular and when you have multiple different priorities happening at the same time, it can be very easy to dance from one thing to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other. And as a result, they all get done poorly and they all get done slowly. You really need to take a step back and as best you can, prioritize them in terms of how, which is the most urgent and important. And I'm assuming everything's urgent at this point. I have done quite a lot of talking and writing in the past about urgency versus importance. But when the pressure is very, very high, it may be that the only things you have to choose from are urgent things. And that's what I'm assuming here. But by and large, they are probably not all urgent. And there will be distinguishing features that you can pick which ones to do first. Then do that one. And don't necessarily let yourself get derailed. And it happens very, very often and very easily that you can get derailed because something happens. An email comes in, a telephone call comes in, a visitor comes in, someone asks a question. And all of a sudden your mind goes back to the other urgent thing that you hadn't chosen to work on and you are distracted and you lose the focus that you need to complete the first task. That all said, you need to also stay flexible enough that if it becomes a rational decision to reprioritize, then you can do so. Some people will blindly refuse to reprioritize and leave everyone else around them stranded. I don't necessarily espouse that view, but you need to take a view about what is actually the most next important thing and what then you can do about it. And that might mean sticking to your guns sometimes and saying, no, I'm working on this first. It has got to go out. Or it might involve reprioritizing or it might involve delegating or it might involve asking for help. Whatever it is, don't just allow the pressure to build up. Don't allow your focus to be lost in circumstances where you are under a lot of pressure. And I see this happen a lot, which is people just hit that point where they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And although they feel like they're discharging their job properly, they're really actually borderline out of control. They don't do things properly. They don't sit back and think about the matters the way they should. 
They don't strategize things the way they should. They get caught up in trying to just deliver ASAP. And that can be important, but you've got to deliver a quality product. So you can't let the product or the service you're providing suffer as a result of the busyness that is occurring around you or the pressure that is building around you. You have to be able to actually deal with it in a rational way. So it is around that time normally that people start to make mistakes. And if you feel like you're not quite in control or you don't quite know what you're doing or you simply cannot do all the things you need to do, you need to see someone else in your firm about it and you need to either get assistance or you need to have their opinion on what you should be prioritizing if that's not possible. So that is all I wanted to say about dealing with pressure for today. I could go on and on about it, I think, but those to me are three key elements, which is accept the reality of it, control only what you can, and act but don't react. And that way you will be able to maintain your focus and hopefully get through some of those pressure systems without necessarily destroying your practice and your life around you, which pretty obviously wouldn't be very good. So that has been Tips for Lawyers episode number 49. Head over to iTunes and leave a review if you enjoyed it. I would also like to invite you again to check out the Lawyers Library at tipsforlawyers.com slash lawyerslibrary. And there you can find some fantastic free resources for young lawyers who want to look at their skills building. That is the end of this episode and I will see you next time.